we're back for another edition of the Big Red Louie podcast alongside my good buddy and co-host Jacob Lane. My name is Presley Meyer. We are excited to have you guys on. Um, there is, there's a lot to talk about this week. Hopefully it's not going to be all doom and gloom. We got a few segments for you guys this week. But Jacob, we, I, I just want to start out. I want to get the negative stuff out of the way. One and three. Things aren't looking that great. What, are you, what is your overall takeaway from this past Friday, now that, that things have, the dust has settled, we've moved past some of the, the grief, we're in the next stages of grief. What, 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 are your, what is your immediate takeaway? What is your biggest um, focus going forward for the rest of the season? Well, first of all, Presley, it's great to see your face and your uh, beautiful pink room again. Uh, it's been a week since we've last spoken and I've missed you dearly. Thank you for uh, introducing me so kindly. And, you know, I've had a lot of time to kind of break this game down, look at it, watch it, think about it, reflect on it. And I still don't really quite know where to feel because uh, one of the things we talked about going into the season was last year, Louisville had a lot of games go their way in a lot of different uh, scenarios, right? Wake Forest, Boston College, Virginia, one bounce here, one bounce there. And, they went right. And they end up eight mm-hmm. and four and it's a beautiful thing or eight and five, whatever their final record was that, you know, they, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but we talked about, look, there is a chance that this year, those bounces don't go Louisville's way. Right. And I trust Scott Satterfield, uh, the football acumen and the, the just pure knowledge of the game that I don't have when he says we're a play here, we're a play there from being competitive. Um, I thought to myself when Georgia Tech went for it on fourth down when they faked the, the punt or the field goal, I can't remember what it was. It was a special teams play. Um, and they got their offense back on the field and they went down and they drove down for a touchdown. As soon as they scored, I sent it in the group chat that we have with our, with our team. I sent it in my family group chat. This game is over. Louisville is going to lose. And obviously, uh, that game went up and down from there on out. But the way that Georgia Tech drove down the field was – it was eerily similar to 2018. Just, just no effort. You know, not saying in terms of the players, but it just took no effort offensively for them to score. And it feels like for three, four years now, we have been on the wrong side of – it just was too easy. Uh, it's happened too many times. I, you know, the offense, there was misplays. There was fumbles. There were turnovers. That game could have been a completely different game had things gone just a little bit differently here and there. Uh, But still, you lose by 19 to what I believe is one of the worst teams in the ACC. You don't force their quarterback, a freshman who has eight interceptions, three against Syracuse alone. You don't force any turnovers. Yeah, four, whatever, four interceptions against Syracuse. It doesn't matter. Like the fact that they couldn't uh, force a turnover, that they couldn't get pressure on on an offensive line. The The commentator said it multiple times, right? They didn't start a guy last year over 285 pounds. Now they've got a bunch of big, beefy freshmen just like Louisville has. And their beefy freshmen uh, on their offensive line are controlling Louisville's veteran. And I put veteran in quotation marks because you have a couple of walk-ons or former walk-ons in there. You've got a couple guys who, you know, have not played big roles, but there's no push on, on the defensive line. There's no push on the offensive line. Uh, the trenches was just a complete mismatch against a, a football team that had to completely rebuild from where they were two years ago. Um, I guess, Presley, if I have to, to tell you anything, I, I, I take away that we're still in the midst of a big rebuild. I've had some time to sit back and reflect and take some responsibility for my actions. I spent a considerable amount of time 
uh, really chastising the defense, offense, coaching, everything uh, this past Sunday. And kind of my takeaway initially was that Louisville just they didn't have they didn't have the players on the field that we thought that they did. That was my initial takeaway. And my my other takeaway was that I really felt uh, that that the coaching staff didn't have the team ready um, to to take care of business. That those are the overall takeaways. I am going to walk back what I said just a little bit after kind of having a little bit having a little while to sit on it. I'm not going to be the apologist. I'm not going to be the fan after we start out one and three. However, take a look at the box score. Louisville lost by 19 points, but they led in first downs game. They led in third down efficiency. They led in total yards. They were just behind Georgia Tech in total passing yards. Uh, they were uh, Malik Cunningham, as much crap as we've given him, was 19 for 33 with no interceptions and no fumbles. Uh, Louisville vastly outgained Georgia Tech on the ground. Uh, Louisville was just barely penalized more. But where you see the discrepancy is in turnover margin and just some big plays that were missed here or there that, that they executed on last season. The big story coming in, into this year, right, was that Louisville could execute on the big play. And they had opportunity after opportunity against Georgia Tech and failed, failed to make things happen. You know, it was just one thing after another, and that's what it feels like this season has been. Last season where everything went right for Louisville, this year it's been the complete opposite. This year it's been whatever can go wrong has gone wrong. And so that, that's kind of my main takeaway is that I'm – especially after listening to the coaching staff, right, I, I don't feel as pessimistic – We'll get into the Notre Dame game a little bit later on. I don't feel as pessimistic about the season as a whole, though, after kind of giving it a little bit, little bit of thought. They are – and, again, this sounds like a fan apologist. I'm not trying to be this, but I'm just trying to be the good cop to your bad cop. Th this season has been very, very similar to last season, but the big plays and the timely plays that they made last season are not happening this year. When you have a – I believe it's a negative eight turnover margin, that's not going to win you any games. And when you have a Georgia Tech team who comes out with, with their butts on fire, with their hair on fire, whatever you want to say, against the Louisville team that kind of came in looking like they expected to win the game, all of a sudden when you come out the gate and execute a play perfectly but just don't catch a wide-open touchdown pass, when, you when a player who never fumbles fumbles the ball, then when he fumbles a quarter later, then we have Javion Hawkins, who's literally fumbled zero times last season, fumble the ball. When the, when the defense has to go straight back out on, onto the field with the ball in their own territory, like that, that kind of stuff, it just starts adding up. That's the stuff they didn't have to deal with last season. Last season, they specialized in ball security. Last season, on big plays, when they needed to make them, they made them. Louisville was really good on third down, even third and longs last season. That's not the case this year. And so I, I think that that's where the, the discrepancies lie. Last season, there were still issues on the offensive line. Last season, there were obvious issues in the secondary. Last, last season, there was hardly any pass rush at all. Those are the same problems that, were, that we had last year. But when you look at – even if you go back to a Pittsburgh game, when you go back to uh, Western Kentucky, um, parts of the Georgia Tech game, the defense has looked better as a whole. There are areas special teams has progressed.
the wide receivers are still solid. Tight ends are still, you know, playing up to what we expected uh, when the coaching staff came in. So there are positives to take away. It's just they have to, to get back to making the plays that they made last season. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of stats here, Preston, that I could point out. Um, again, to not not to to be you know you say you don't want to be the apologist. I also don't want to be the the negative guy. I don't want to 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 pile on and continue to to you know just poke and prod at every little detail. But zero sacks uh, from a defensive line. Again, I go back to the trenches right. from a defensive line with with guys like Jared Goldwire and guys like Daniel Kennard and guys like Tiberius Peterson. Like we're talking about veterans who have been there this is their second year we're still not seeing any push we're still not seeing any type of um you know any type of of pressure on the quarterback it it, it is really allowing players to do whatever they want and the thing that worries me is this is just jeff this is just jeff sims right this is just the first game this is just this is just one uh example of what happens and uh, i'll tell you man i i wonder to an extent now flipping on the other side of the ball to louisville's offense but I wonder how much opposing teams have caught up to what Louisville and Scott Satterfield are doing. Um, I wonder if maybe last year the jet sweeps, the orbiter running, you know, um, behind the quarterback, causing all this confusion. You know, these players are reacting to it in real time. Yes, they have App State film to go off of, but they've never seen these Louisville guys run this offense. They've never seen a 2-2 Atwell in that offense. And um, I just felt like the offense, you know, they've not done really much of anything creative. It's been run here, run there. Usually they're in third and long. They asked Malik to to throw a, a pass that um you know that obviously that the other the defense knows is coming so they're able to to get pass rush on him and and challenge that offensive line it's just it's just these layers that you just kind of get into and you're just like man and and look I didn't I will never be the person to agree with Strebel never I never will do it I think he's crazy with what he says about Louisville it's hilarious Press I got to give you credit for for challenging me to listen to that but I think he's hilarious but but where he's right is we should be a little bit of shamed in ourselves. I know I am as a writer, as somebody who covers this team, for believing that this much growth could happen just because they're in an offseason, just because they're around each other. At the end of the day, maybe they just don't have the dudes yet. It, it could just be that mm-hmm. simple. They don't have the dudes. I think that until um, – Malik gets a little bit more time in the pocket. We're going to continue to see Louisville's offense struggle. Um, he needs time to make those throws to the far sideline, to read the field, to be able to stretch the ball to a Des Fitzpatrick. I was encouraged that he got more to, that he got Marshawn Ford involved down the field. I was really looking forward to vertical tight end passing plays uh, because we just haven't seen that yet. Um, and so I think that there's some good things to take away, but when you lose the way that you do, it, it looked very, very similar. Like I said, to 2018 at the end of it. And you just hate to see that in year two. Listen, I mean, if, if you do want an overreaction, underreaction, is it an overreaction to at least consider, uh, the fact that, that the quarterback position could be up for grabs? No, I think it, I think it's an overreaction to, to think that making a quarterback change is necessary here, just simply because, uh, this is the guy that we talked about all off season, all of the, the football people, the, the, all of the insiders who know about college football and the Louisville program were hyping Malik Cunningham up to be the next guy. Uh, I think the talent is there. I was in that, that crowd saying he could be a dark horse Heisman contender because of the stats that he put up last year. What I simply didn't estimate for was the loss of Makai Becton and how big of a deal that was going to be. Um, you know, obviously he's a very good player, but, when you lose somebody that talented, no matter how you know good the sum of your parts are, it doesn't matter because you're still replacing such a, a massive part. Um, you know, I think that with time, with a little bit, I think the first change needs to happen on the 
the offensive line before anything else on the offense. I think we need to see some different rotation, get some bigger, stronger guys in there to create some push. Too many times they're just blown back on that first interaction with the defensive lineman. Uh, and at that point, you're shot. You're not going anywhere as an offense. Uh, you know, obviously they're lucky to have a guy like Javion Hawkins who can make plays and kind of skirt his way out of there. But um, I think that you need to stick with Cunningham. You need to try to do some more things offensively. I don't know what the game is telling Scott Satterfield, but why are they not throwing more short slants into the middle of the field? These teams are stretching the field wide to prevent, you know, the jet sweeps and the fake runs and the the, the drop passes to Tutu Atwell and Des Fitzpatrick and those guys. Like, I want to see them try to do some things to to get the defense to kind of squeeze back in, protect that middle of the field, and then open things back up. I think that that Cunningham has been pressing. I think that this game, this Notre Dame game, man, I don't know. It just maybe they can come in and not feel the pressure. Like you're not going to beat Notre Dame, so what's it really matter? Let's go in there and just have fun. Like obviously, I want them to think they're going to win, but you're you're not going to have that feeling of like we have to beat Georgia Tech, we have to beat them, we have to beat them, we have to beat them. So maybe maybe he'll feel feel a little bit more carefree and he can make the better throws. I mean, you said you said it perfectly. You know. I, I believe that it, that it's – I'm not going to say complete overreaction uh, because I think that when you start the season one and three, that every competition has to be out there in the open on the table like, look, this is our season on the line. Our season hinges on the next three games. You know, if Louisville loses two out of the next three games, that's a, what, two and six start, two and five start. Like, that is not at all what we expected going into the season. And it's a very, very real possibility. Um, so with that being said, I don't think that, that it's that massive of an overreaction, but that being said, just, just look at what Scott Satterfield said in, in his presser on Monday, right? So if, if Cunningham completes that pass to Ian Viper on the first drive, that adds what 65, 70 yards that puts him over 300 yards passing right there, just on one pass. Then all of a sudden you're looking at, he went 20 for 33 for 300 yards passing and 50 yards rushing and five total touchdowns. I mean, that's a hell of a game. Like, like who in the right mind would question that? So, like, it's just little things like that. Stuff just started to sp- spiral out of control, and it was, just got to the point where, where nobody could stop it. So, to me, we want an overreaction, underreaction. I think that, that that's kind of been the storyline this week, um, kind of perpetuated by, by the media, by the talking heads a little bit. Um, but, to me, it's a bit of an overreaction to, to say that his job should even remotely be on the line. Here's one for you. Louisville needs to continue playing the veteran players. Is that an overreaction or is that an underreaction? I think that's an overreaction. The reason being because I think that there are positions, namely offensive line, defensive line, and secondary, where they have continued to have problems. Continued. This goes back to the previous coaching staff. Um, So, I mean, part of that is on the inevitability of the the previous coaching staff, but – by the same by the same token, I, I believe that you have to look towards the future and look towards developing that depth because it cannot possibly be any worse than it is right now. Maybe along the offensive line, maybe you know you could argue that there's some continuity there, but on the defensive line, like right now, you have two former walk-ons getting some very serious time. You, I mean, you have a defensive line who's recorded what two sacks among, among the defensive line the, all season. And that includes against Georgia Tech and Western Kentucky. 
I don't even know if the defensive line has more than one sack. If I'm being, I think honest I think Jerry Goldwire has has one sack. I believe. Yeah, and, and the rest uh, of them and, have come from those linebackers and the, yeah. the safe like corners it's, and people blitzing. You know, and that's part of the defense, right? When you're creating havoc and your speedy guys are the ones that you wanting to that you're wanting to to rush the passer. But but you don't have uh, you know your Sir Abdullah getting after the quarterback. Um, you don't have Rajay Burns really getting after the quarterback. You're not really seeing anyone. It doesn't even matter on the defensive line at this point. We're not seeing really anyone be able to get anywhere near a quarterback. I, and the other, the, the thing that, I mean, look, every every position battle should be up for grabs. I mean, we even talked about there's depth at linebacker. As good as C.J. Avery and Dorian Etheridge have been, they have struggled on third down and pass coverage, struggled. And is that is that a discrepancy in the new coaching staff's playbook? Is that something that opposing teams are seeing that they can pick up on? Or is that CJ Avery and Dorian Etheridge not being the leaders that they should be? I mean, let's be honest here. You know, they are getting absolutely killed up the middle on four, on third down. Killed. I mean, they make excellent stops on running plays on first and second down or short pass plays on first and second down. And all, I mean, we've seen it over and over and over again. And it's been against some of the veteran guys. Uh, and then you talk about, um, you know, two, two or three of the guys in, in, in the secondary, um, they are not playing at all on the level at which any power five, let alone division one team uh, should, should expect. And I, I mean, I, I think if you watch the tape, that goes without saying, I mean, they, the secondary specifically the safeties get picked on over and over and over again. And especially on the side opposite rush East. I mean, they just look, man, let, let's just be, let's just call it the way it is, man. Like, uh, you know, I get their college athletes, but um, Isaiah Hayes and Jack Figo, they are not Louisville caliber players. In my opinion, it's, I mean, yeah, look, I'm I not mean, a safety expert, but what I can tell you is when you get hurdled twice and you are the, the main culprit on multiple other big plays being busted. Uh, and then you've got, uh, you know, a, a former walk-on who is an athlete, right? Trevor Lawrence has nightmares of Jack Figo. Like that man haunts his <laughs> dreams, but he may not be the caliber player that you need to, to be able to kind of anchor that side for Ruskies to be effective. I feel silly that we went into this season thinking that Isaiah Hayes and Jack Fago second safety position was okay depth. Like, right, I think, exactly. I don't know how I don't know how we looked over that. I'm not. I don't know how we wrote that off. It's just it's one of like, those it's things not like that Russ, it's not like Rush East is like a perfect fit in this system either. He's kind of a, a plug and play, moved over from corners type of situation. I mean, without Rush East, look at what does the secondary look like. And, and I mean, there's questions at corner, right? They were really exposed without Cottrell Clark out there on, on Friday were. night. Uh, I mean, they picked on Chandler Jones, Anthony Johnson over and over and over again. Uh, I, I go to, here's the names. I, I think, again, I agree with you. It's an overreaction to keep the, the veteran guys out there just because they're the veterans. The freshmen can't be that much worse, right? Because I'm seeing yeah. veteran guys who have been here for three and four years. I mean, Isaiah Hayes is a graduate transfer playing in his second season. Uh, he, he dealt with injury last year. Looked, looked okay at times. But uh, I, I wrote about early in the season. Or, you know, we, you and I wrote this together with Lovey Jenkins. He's a guy I have him in the top 25 most important players. And I, I still think right. that by season's end, he's got to be the guy opposite Yeast. The problem is he's the replacement for Yeast. He's being groomed to, you, to be that Russ Yeast guy. Right. And for him, then that's now trying to get another guy up to speed on another position that he wasn't going to play, right? Eventually, Shadon Brown, the goal is for both safeties to be able to play at, at multiple spots, right? But we're not seeing that right now. Hayes and, and Fago cannot 
outplay yeast to spot and there's nobody really behind yeast. Uh, and so, you know, we need to see somebody step up, whether it's Lovey Jenkins, whether it's Josh Minkins, whether it's, you know, there's, there's Telly Plummer, there's other guys back there. We got to see somebody else. And then in the, at the corner position, man, uh, I, I want to see Greedy Vance. I want to see Jamel Starks. I want to see Marquis mm-hmm. Lowry. I want to see some of these young guys get reps. Same on the defensive line with Jadarian Boykin. Uh, you know, with Yaya Diaby, I know he went out with what Jody Dimlin called on the radio, an ankle injury. I've not seen any kind of updates on that, but I think it's an overreaction to keep veterans in because they're veterans. I would like to see young guys at some of these positions where they knew they needed depth. Um, I get that it's a long game, but when you're at one and three and your veterans are struggling the way that they are in some spots, and, and quite frankly, personally, am I overreacting when I say that they're regressing in some spots? They're not progressing. Right, exactly. And what I, mean, I said on Fridays, if you're not going forward, it's, it's, it's Ricky Bobby language. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. If you're not first, you're last. There is no in-between of – you're, you're, we, you're not staying the same in any sport. You're either getting worse or you're getting better. Uh, and I see multiple spots getting worse. I think that a youth injection is what they need right now just to bring life, man. Let them go out there. These guys have got to be chomping at the bits, watching what they're seeing, going in practice. I hope they're putting the work in. I hope these guys are, are – in their their playbooks i hope these guys are focused on football if that's the case let's see them let's see these young guys that know more these 2019 kids who were that first recruiting class we've seen two of them we've seen two or three zach edwards got onto the field a little bit on set on friday night uh but outside of that it's been evan conley like that's the guy we've seen he's really one of the only guys from that 2019 class that's gotten time we've heard nothing about the good recruiting now let's see it to your point too i mean what's the worst case scenario when that happens? Like say you put in some extremely young inexperienced guys who aren't quite ready at safety. Like, are they going to get beat over the top? Are they going to have, are they going to be turned around the wrong way? Um, Are they going to not be able to make an open field tackle? Are they going to take the wrong angles? Because that's exactly what's happening right now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not not trying to be a jerk, but like that's what's happening. It can't get much worse than that. I mean, on Power 5 college football, you're playing freaking Georgia Tech, a team who hadn't scored more than, what, 30 points in, like, since the last time they played us, probably? Like, I mean, I'm just being honest. Like, it's you're, at some, at some no, point. You're, you're being realistic, right? right? You're being realistic. That shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't be seeing that time and time again, but we are. And here's the other thing that I'll say. The tackling – Again, I go back to Strebel's comments. We're, we should be ashamed of ourselves in some regard for how highly we thought of these guys. And that's no, that's no, that's no shot at them, right? This just may not be the system. that They may not be able to play at this level. Like, I am not a football player. I am in no spot able to criticize them. But what are we doing tackling? Angles, positioning, and placement on tackling. Time and time again, I see arms look like turnstiles. It's optional. Tackles are optional with Louisville's defense. You can either be stopped and fall down. Sometimes you can be rolled over and continue to keep running after. But most time you're just going to run through an arm tackle. I see a lot of flailing, a lot of falling. Like, it's just crazy. Uh, I, I don't know what you do in, in practice to fix that because especially now during COVID of trying to limit interaction, trying to limit this, these, these uh, you know, live opportunities for players to get sick being around each other. Tackling is an issue that I – I think I asked Keith Wynn about this on our first podcast looking at the season. Like, should we be worried that because they haven't been tackling all offseason that they're going to struggle with tackling? Yeah, that we should be worried. They've been really bad at tackling. I would be willing to bet they are the worst team in the ACC with missed tackles. 
because it's, it's everywhere. Be, it's, be it's three and four and five tackles at a time on plays, and it's 15 yards later, and it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. And, you know, I think that some of these things are fixable. I've got a lot of trust in Brian Brown and Corey Dennison, but here's the thing. When you look at the rest of the season and you look at projection and you look at um, trying to think of where Louisville can be, if we see one or two more games of, of, of regression, that's when I'm going to say, okay, all right, maybe there's a, you know, some worry of what's going on. Bigger picture, coaching staff, can they do it? Can they, you know, when things are challenging, can they keep it together? Can they figure out a way to inject their young players without, you know, kind of crumpling the morale of this team? Because let's be honest, man, these, these seniors have been through it confidence-wise. They've been through it. Yeah. And and I, I think Satterfield and the staff are trying to manage egos, trying to manage the team and the morale. Uh, but at the same time, the football play has got to get better. And if it doesn't, then maybe I think I'll have more questions. But for now, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like they're going to be able to get some things turned around and we're going to be able to kind of hold on to some positivity here in the season. Now, let's move forward again. We're going to look at Notre Dame. You've got some, some quizzes here for me, some questions. Go ahead and quiz me in the face. Okay, so – in order to get us primed for Notre Dame, this is a big week, right? Like, it's not – It's not. If, if you talk to any former – or any former, any old head Louisville fan, right, that came up in the 60s and 70s, people who used to be Louisville basketball fans often were Notre Dame football fans. Like, this is a big game for this fan base, for this city. Like, this is, this is a big deal. So, going into this game, this being the third meeting ever between Louisville and Notre Dame, I think that we ought to familiarize ourselves as a little bit younger fans with a little game I like to call, Who Wants to Be a Dunder Mifflin Air in the Face? If you aren't aware, if you've never heard of Billy on the Streets, Quiz in the Face, if you've never watched The Office, I'm sorry you don't get the reference. This is a quiz with two rounds, three questions per round, where I ask Jacob Blaine, Multiple choice questions about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Are you ready, Jacob? I'm very ready, Preston. Let's do it. Round one, here we go. Manti Teo, whose alleged girlfriend who wasn't real and faked her own fake death in 2012, was named. Is it A, Lene, B, Susan, C, Carla, D, Grantham? Again, I'm that's go- A, Lene, B, Susan, C, Carla, D, Grantham. I'm going to go with A, final answer, Lene. That is correct. Question number two, Notre Dame has claimed, claimed, how many championships do they claim? Notre Dame football. Championships. Is it A, 9, B, 11, C, 22, D, 47? A, 9, B, 11, C, 22, D, 47. My gut tells me that the answer would be A, 9, but I'm going to go with D, 47 because, look, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're, we're winning. We win all the time. We slap the sign. We fight for the Irish. We go and we scream at, ah, at the game and we win them all. I don't think it's true. Nine. Notre Dame has claimed how many championships? A, 9, B, 11, C, 22. So was my answer wrong? I'm confused Notre on Dame how has we claimed how many championships? A, 9, B, 11, C, 22. I've given you a chance here. C, 22. Notre Dame has claimed how many championships? A, 9, B, 11. Damn it, look, it, just tell me the answer at this point. Is it A, 9? That's correct. It's B, 11. <laughs> Notre Dame has 22 national championships unclaimed as, a, as an institution with the NCAA. They claim 13. But as a school, 
They claim 11 national championships, most of which happened before your great-grandpa was born. But they're Notre Dame, so who cares, right? Question number three. Notre Dame's first season where they played home night games on a regular basis was in what year? Is it A, 1973, B, 1982, C, 2005, D, 2011? That would be 2011. Final answer, D, 2011. That is correct. Their first night game was in 1982, followed by another night game in 1984, two night games in 1985, and then they did not play a single night game until the year 2011. They played Michigan. They played USC. USC. Okay. All right. Well, look, Michigan, when they didn't play night games and they played a night game, they played Notre Dame. Somebody that that didn't play at night played at night and they played Notre Dame. So far, you're doing great, Jacob. We're going to move on to round two where the questions get harder and the prizes get equally stupider. Round two. Question number one. Former Notre Dame star and current NFL fantasy phenom Chase Claypool says that if he had not played in the NFL, he would be playing what sport? Is it A, golf, B, rugby, C, basketball, or D, BMX? Ooh, Chase Claypool stands about six foot four. I think he's too big for bikes, so I'm going to eliminate BMX off the top of the head. Uh, Golf is boring, so I don't think that he's a boring guy. I don't think he'd play boring sports. I'm going to go C, basketball by process of elimination. Chase Claypool did not want to play basketball. He wanted to be a BMX rider. That is actually true. Interesting. All right. I would not have guessed that. I didn't think that big guys on bikes was probably a good idea. A lot of, a lot of weight in the air with a little bike. I don't see that, that going well. Nobody cares. Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly says this, this position group in 2020 is the best that he has ever coached. Is it A, wide receivers, B, offensive line, C, linebackers, D, punters? I know the answer to this one because I heard him say this. The answer is offensive line. That is correct, and I am very scared. Look, no, Louisville's not going to get anywhere near in book without a miracle. We're going to be in the place where they say that God is the most present. It's going to be a God miracle for Louisville to get after in book. In book could sit back there. You know what he could do? He could read a book. He could read a book. He could go for a trip. He could go do anything. If Louisville doesn't show up with a pass rush, it's going to be all day. You book it. They're going to be able to make whatever throw they want. In book will have all the time in the world. Take it or leave it. Louisville should play an 11 defense. They just put out, out 11 guys that are all dropping back in coverage. 11. I mean, at this point, sure. Why not? You, you're blitzing four. You're blitzing three. No one's even getting close. Uh, you're, you're dropping your secondary back at 10, 15 yards. Why not just drop everybody back? Let them all I'm go gonna, back there. They Georgia Texture did it. They either need to all attack all 11 and just leave everybody open, or they, they call that all an, drop back. Yeah, you call that engage yeah. eight or, or a prevent defense. I'd be down with a prevent defense. You, at least you hopefully would have your, your holes covered in the zone and you could make some plays. I'll tell you what's not going to be having a prevent defense, my bottle of bourbon on the coffee table by halftime. Question number three, Louisville football leads Notre Dame in what statistical categories in 2020? Is it A, strength of schedule, B, passing yards per game, C, neither A or B, or D, both A and B? You are really taking me back to college here with the answers that all look the exact same. My mom would never go for the. They all looked the same. She would say, well, you should have selected the right answer. I'm going to go with uh, C, neither A nor B. And you are going to be incorrect once again. It is D, both A and B. Louisville leads Notre Dame in strength of schedule. This season, Notre Dame has the 62nd ranked strength of schedule out of 72 qualifying teams, while Louisville has the 41st strength of schedule. 
Go Louisville. Secondly, Louisville averages 246 yards passing on the season, while Notre Dame only averages 204. So they can suck it. You know what? And that's interesting. You bring that up. I think Ian Book only had 193 yards passing last year for Notre Dame against Louisville in the season opener. They really right. relied on the run. They had a couple of big runs. I think it was Tony Jones who broke up both in both of those runs open in the first half. Um, you know, look, Ian Book is a good quarterback. He's not great. He's kind of fits in that line of, of Notre Dame quarterbacks that have been just kind of average, but can go out there and win you any game that they want because they're just smart players. Presley, I'm going to be honest, man. I don't have much faith in them keeping this game competitive. Uh, you know, the best shot here is, again, you show up with that mentality of what do you have to lose. Um, I think this one's going to get ugly. I don't see any chance where if you can't stop Georgia Tech that a week later you can. Uh, I think we're going to get to see some youth because of the circumstances of the game, which is exciting. Uh, but it's going to come in a, in a blowout loss. Fans, I encourage you to get – before you go to sit down and watch the game at 2.30 on Saturday, I would encourage you to go to your local liquor store and find your favorite alcohol and buy five of them. They have probably the best offensive line in the country. They're going to give Louisville hell in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They are, as you probably could have predicted, uh, decent at running back, decent at quarterback, pretty may at wide receiver and tight end, and pretty solid on defense. That's been the Brian Kelly staple. They're very boring, not super great, not super terrible. Look, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to absolutely destroy Louisville because Louisville has nothing in the trenches. I mean, that's, that's, that's the end of it. I mean, unless Scott Satterfield and company have some other way to combat that. Which, if that is drop back 11 in coverage, then let's do it because you might as well I'm, with that offensive I'm line. I don't know if anybody's ever suggested that before, but an 11 defense could work. 